Gareth Law and Paul Davis bringing you all things lower league. From the SPFL leagues one and two down through the Highland League and Lowland Leagues, east and south of Scotland Leagues and of course the juniors, this is your one-stop shop for everything down the divisions. been thinking about doing a podcast like this for a few weeks now and due to the coronavirus we've had a bit more time on our hands stuck at home in the house so we've we've put it to good good use and uh, here we are Paul. Yeah it's great to finally get into people's ear pods after months of talking about it and looking forward to seeing where the journey takes us. On this episode we'll look at how the coronavirus is affecting clubs down the leagues We'll take a look at the pyramid system and how things are changing down in tier six below the lowland and highland leagues. And we'll speak to a man who loves Whitburn Juniors so much, he's gone and written a song about them. So we're going to start the podcast every week with what we're going to call the Down the Divisions Decider. And it's basically guess the year quiz and we'll reveal the answer at the end of the show. So this week, can you tell us what year Pollock won the Scottish Junior Cup for the first time? The Human League were Christmas number one with Don't You Want Me? Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, was sentenced to life imprisonment. And the London Marathon was ran for the first time. Any ideas, Paul? Human League's definitely 80s, isn't it? Pollock certainly haven't won... Oh, I, Paul, I would say Pollock probably won the Junior Cup, I don't know, mid-80s. I would say 1983. 1983, right. All to be revealed. So I guess before we get on to the topics of the week, um, I suppose we should probably tell the listener who we are and why we're doing this, Paul. So I'm Paul Davis, manager of New Mains United Football Club. I've uh, been there for the last two years, worked in senior football, junior football, amateur football, uh, and I just felt over the last wee while that uh, the lower divisions are sometimes underrepresented. So the podcast has come about so we can give the non-league teams, the semi-pro teams, the coverage that we feel they both deserve. Yeah, and I've, uh, I've written on Scottish football as a journalist for the Scottish Sun for the past 18 years, and actually kind of started out covering the the games down the leagues. First game I actually covered for the paper was was a friendly that Gretna played against Carlisle in the summer of 2002. And it's always struck me that you know you, you get you get great welcomes when you go to lower league clubs. A lot of them have been good to me over the years. And there's 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 aspects and and hardworking people who we aren't really able to cover in the paper who who deserve a mention, deserve their place, deserve to be highlighted for the work they're doing. And uh, hopefully we can we can shine a light on those those people and those clubs through this podcast. Yeah, we're well, moving on. I mean, I guess when we're, when we're talking about what's been in the news this week, I guess you can't look anywhere else but what's happening. Never mind in Scottish football, but, but around the world. And when you look at some of the scenes on TV, when you see everybody being told to stay in their homes, I guess it does put football into perspective and make you realise, you know, its place in the world. But at the same time, 
football clubs are businesses. There's an economy out there. One of those economies is football, and Scottish football hasn't been immune to, to everything that's been going on because of the coronavirus crisis and the lockdown that it's, it's caused. You just have to look at teams struggling in the top division, the likes of Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen have all talked about wage cuts, wage deferrals, and so on. And clearly down the divisions is going to be no different. We've already seen the likes of Dumbarton players agree to 50% pay cuts. Elgin have agreed to 67% pay cuts. There's the, there's the great work that the Sterling Albion Supporters Trust has done. They, they created a GoFundMe page that has already raised the club over £26,000, which is remarkable. What have you made, Paul, of, of, of how football, Scottish football down the divisions has, have been kind of going about dealing with something that ultimately is, is nobody's fault at all? First of all, we need to be hugely respectful uh, of the global crisis this is having. And football is insignificant, really, in terms of what happens in the real world. However, even us doing this podcast, it's probably for, for a bit of entertainment and it's because of the industry, it's such a big industry that, that, that we've decided to do this and it gives our listeners alternative listening. I'm talking about this kind of nervously because there is bigger problems in the world. I'm a business owner and it's all right. I mean, first of all, government put great initiatives in place uh, to deal and to help teams out. But if you look at the non-playing staff, and again, this is why doing down the divisions is it's quite good because it gives people an insight. For example, there'll be teams out there in the lower divisions that might have a wage budget for non-playing staff of £30,000 a month. They just had to pay £30,000 at the end of March. They will now have a wage run at the end of April of £30,000. That's a cash flow of £60,000, which... Whilst the government initiatives are in place, the money probably won't fall into beginning of May. So yeah. it's going to be you know, a huge uh, knock-on effect. And you know, whilst we want to keep everything positive and promote the, the games down the division, this is financial oppression. Uh, the only way through this is really trying to keep a stiff up a lip and working together and trying to use... Football isn't it as a tool to kind of engage the, the communities. I was, I was just reading there before we started this. That's a uh, Barnet in England, just all their wages as well. So it's going to be massive effect. I'm actually looking at, and I'm sick of hearing you know people talking about trophies, relegation, and all that. When you look, at, I'm looking at the EPL and where we are down the divisions, talking about you know playing games. In the Midlands, booking hotels behind closed doors. And I'm saying, you know, there's national campaigns at five o'clock every day saying stay at home and then they're looking at this. So it's actually insignificant, all this. What I mean, obviously, the, the big problem is clubs have budgeted for income streams that have now vanished. One of the main income streams would be people coming through the turnstiles every Saturday afternoon. And that goes for every every football club top to bottom, and obviously a lot of clubs that would that come under the umbrella that we're covering. You obviously manage in the juniors. How how, how has it been? How has it been uh, dealt with down there? So the juniors, I think 
most of the team in the in junior level have small wage budgets and they're entitled. We got some stuff through there from the Scottish FA two days ago regarding we could forlorn players and give them, you know, they're entitled to 80%. But I think at this level, most players would be realistic enough to say, well, we're not paying, when we're not playing, we're not training, then then we'll forgo our wages. Don't know how that's going to affect your top teams, your athletes, your Pollocks, who guys and, and Darvo to an extent, who pay good money uh, and guys might be relying on, on their football money to top their wages up. But they say they certainly will be entitled to to the eighty percent the government's offering. Do you think that as 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 I said at the start there, this is nobody's fault, but it's put associations in a very very awkward position, and whatever they decide, nobody's going to be they're not going to please everybody, are they, with the, with the decisions that they come to? There could be legal challenges. You've even got I mean I'm thinking Stranraer bottom of League One for example. Mathematically, it's still possible they could survive, but they could get sent down if the leagues go with a decision that the leagues will stand as they are currently. Well, I read an article today, and it was uh, the ex uh, Saint Martin director come on, and to be honest, they wheel this guy out every time, uh, <laughs> every time that uh, there's a problem or something negative around the game, and Stuart Gilmer was uh, talking about Anne Budge. I don't like talking about Hearts because they're Premier League and we're down the division. However, it, it fits with what we're talking about. And he says, obviously, Anne Budge is talking about taking legal action if Hearts are relegated. Uh, and he's saying, you know, there's no place in football for lawyers. Uh, and basically, if Hearts don't like it, they can leave the league. And that's, that's what his words. They, they could leave the league if they didn't. Uh, they opted for these rules at the beginning when it was the SPA, SPL. And uh, if they wanted, they could go. Now, it's okay sitting in your ivory tower. As you said, this is this is something that's come about. <laughs> we'll never see anything like this again, probably, in our lifetime. So I don't know what the financial implications of relegating Hearts would be. But we're talking millions of pounds. Why should Hearts be punished? I mean, but likewise, you're talking about Hearts there. Stranraer could could equally be the same. We're talking about down the divisions. That's a club that's, you know, ran on very, very, very frugal budgeting down there, small crowds. Um, but in theory, I mean, it's been a tough season for them. But in theory right now, they could still catch the team sitting second bottom. So why should they go down? That's right. That's it. So I, I don't think any team can get relegated. I really, because I, really, I think the implication of a team getting relegated, the, the season for me... Has to, let's face it, Gareth. The, the the season's finished. The season's gone. I can't see us playing it now. Mark Hately also come out and said that he would like to see the league getting played into the beginning of the next season. Obviously, players taking their break now, finishing the season, going into the next season, and then starting the, the new season straight after that. I think he used an example of Scott Arfield. He's never had a summer for the last two years. I think he's never been away on international duty. But again, it's not as if the players are taking a break during this. The players are still training the best they can. It's not as if the players are getting their holidays and stuff like that. I think everything needs stopped. Put it down to... Uh, I had a great one this week, this week actually, as well. That, uh, in a horse race, you don't stop a race with six furlongs to go and, and decide who's... Uh, 
who's mm-hmm. won the who's won the race. So mm-hmm. rub it out. Insignificant things compared to what's going on in the world, and we start the season afresh next year. So you would you would you would make the season null and void. Null and void, and we start we start a new season with everybody in the same position as they was last year. But I guess that would then lead to implications with sponsors as well. They will have paid out at the start of the season for things ultimately that they haven't received. We'll take it to the level. Our manager, our manager, New Mains United, bottom of Division 2 of the McBookies League. It's the bottom division of junior football. A team that never finished out the bottom two of the league. You know, this year we're probably going to have one of the highest finishes in the last decade. I could argue, oh, the season should be finished so we could, you know, so we could try and push for that. I don't care. I, you know, I, I, I don't care when it comes comes to this. There's more pressing things in the world. We're in a, we're actually in a group chat in the league. All the different teams are in it, and I've got one guy in it who's got 13 games in hand, can still go and win the league, and is still pushing. Pushing, pushing, pushing. Even though our league's going to be ended, we're moving. He still wants to play his 13 games. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. So null and void and deal with any consequences thereby. And I, I guess ultimately it probably is easier, you could argue, to do that further down the divisions when you haven't got TV companies particularly you know, linked into the whole setup. What's the worst that's going to happen by starting this season as... By ending this season now, as it started last year, Dungeon United's not going to be promoted. Hearts are not going to be relegated. That's the position they're in. It's a null and void season. It's a freak year. It's something that nobody... It's unavoidable. Nobody could could do anything about it. We start it again. The other, the other implication of what could happen with the future of the current season... Contractual issues and and players' contracts that end or are due to end at the end of towards the end of June. Um, I, I don't know when when players at New Mains United, for example, when their contract runs through. But but I guess your solution would kind of mean that wasn't an issue. Other people who have suggested that the leagues should continue on until they're finished that then would become an issue, wouldn't it? You have to think about the player, though, who is out of contract this year, especially in Scotland, especially in the lower divisions, talking about teams like Stranraer, you know, even in their championship. Do you know, even our, even the Premiership, teams like Muddle, most teams give one-year contracts. So if I'm a player, if I'm a player, and I'm told that, give you, you know, you're not coming back next year, but I'm going to give you an extension of your contract for one month, What's my motivation to play? And I get injured. Exactly. You know, there's no motivation for me to go out there and play. And maybe you might say, oh, I'm fine. You're paid to play football, but I'm sorry if I'm injured in that game. How am I then going to continue into next season with no wages? Having just come through what we've come through. So, see, to be honest, unless... FIFA or UEFA, which they've also come out and said it's down to the individual associations, somebody's actually just going to need to call time on it or decide what we're doing. I, I don't know, but end it now and we'll all go again next year. Yeah, I think I think when you hear some people talking about how they're hopeful or they have been hopeful of 
of playing games again by a certain date. It does make you wonder what they're basing that on when the specialists, the chief medical officer, the chief scientific officers, all the people who are studying the coronavirus spread, they haven't really got the answers as to when this is all going to be over definitively. And yet you have, you know, um, administrators, associations, not necessarily in Scotland, but you have people talking about that. But I think I think there's a big issue here that nobody knows to make it incredibly difficult to even plan for next season as well, doesn't it? Of course it does. Status quo, Gareth, isn't it? Let's just go, let's finish it now and, and go again next year because it's going to just drag on and drag on. Yeah, well, I think that won't be the last we'll hear on the, the Down the Divisions podcast of the implications for the seasons ahead and the current season as well because of the, the coronavirus spread. I guess the other big development in the last few days, Paul, which probably... Uh, You've, you've possibly been involved in directly, I don't know, is the, the pyramid structure below below the, uh, well, it's tier six really, isn't it? You've got your, your SPFL, the four leagues of the SPFL, uh, then you've got your Highland and Lowland leagues. Uh, below that, then you've got your, uh, well, currently below the Lowland league, you've currently got the east of Scotland and south of Scotland leagues. And um, junior football has always been just a, a separate thing, but it looks like it could be the biggest summer of change in junior football's 134-year history, Paul. It's going to be a huge change to the game. Tell us what's being uh, tell us what's being kind of uh, you know proposed or could be on the cards or is on the cards first of all. Right, so I'll take you back and for the listeners who are possibly not from up in Scotland. Junior football is not to be mixed with youth football. I always think, first of all, branding-wise, it's been, it was a terrible thing ever calling it junior football. Mm-hmm. Junior football is adult football played at a semi-professional level. Uh, and in Scotland, it's been very successful over the years. Now, you're right, I have been involved in it. I've been to several meetings. And what's actually happened is, I'm going to take you right back and I'll give you some information that even in the meetings has not really come out. And people are maybe a little bit unaware. In 2010, ex-First Minister Henry McLeish was tasked with putting a report how we can make the game better. And one of the things that he came up with was things like, a couple of things he came up with was like building development centres throughout Scotland to improve football facilities and stuff like that. So I think we've seen like the Orium in Edinburgh all yeah. come about as that. Tory Glen might have been part of that as well. That's right. Which was all great, but what he did say is if you took took the down the divisions in the, in the English league, they've got what at the time was the Vauxhall Conference, and they worked well. It meant that if you were a league club, which was division, I think at the time division, was it the fourth division in, in England, you could the get releg- division. You could get yeah. you could get relegated, and it was promoted by a team who's maybe a wee bit ambitious and wants to come through the ranks. And Henry McLeish thought this would be a great idea. Junior football was a very strong product at the time in terms of they had a very good Junior Scottish Cup uh, that always you know, sold out league grounds on final day uh, and it had kind of loyal support. Most of these clubs based in kind of towns and villages throughout Scotland. So they approached Junior football about it. And this is one of the things that's never really come out 
in terms of when people's been you know voting for things and they said to junior football would you like to create this pyramid system in Scotland so again your top teams now use Auckland and Lex and Paulus because they're the biggest in their game mm-hmm. uh, a chance to go into the league proper and they all voted and said no no we don't want to do it and we're happy on our own and, and that's fine so after that the, the, the Scottish League decided, well, we're still going to go ahead with this. And, and certain teams, could, I don't know whether they were around at the time, but teams like BSC Glasgow, lots of different ones out there, set up a, a division called the Lowland League. And the Lowland League then sat as a conference below our main league, along with the Highland League. So basically, teams south of the country played in one league, north of the country played in another. Whoever won those leagues played each other and went to a playoff with the bottom team and they went to the league. Simple as that. And that was fine. So that's back in 2010. I think and it's might, worked very well, hasn't it? I mean, it's you've, you've had Edinburgh City, well. Cove Rangers, they've both gone up into the league. You see Edinburgh and Cove now flying high. Probably yeah. both teams had the COVID-19 that took place. Could they get promoted out of that league? Yeah. So it's worked really, really well. And I think that I think that came about in about 2014. I'm not sure. Maybe a bit before that, that... that the Lowland Leagues and that set up. And they went away and done their own thing. Now, junior football is also split into regions. So we're the West region and we've got the East region and the North region. And some of the teams in the East region decided that they were going to jump ship. I suppose they they were wanting a a progression route and they lost so many teams and and it left junior football a bit sparse, to be honest. And now, teams like Kelty Hearts, who jumped from junior football and went into the, the, the new setup, are flying high there. You know, Barry Ferguson manages them, flying high. And junior football have now put the brakes on and went, oh, wait a minute here, I think we've missed a trick. Mm-hmm. So I went to another vote, and every team then decided they wanted to leave. And that was in fine. The, in the West, Paul, in the West. In the West, sorry. Yeah, so in the West, in the West region. They wanted to leave. So that was fine. Got accepted. But it was kind of dragging on. And this has been going on for around two years at New Mains. And, and I put the vote in, in, I think, the first two months we were there. And all of a sudden now, with about five weeks to go, there's mad panic. And the, the Lowland League now want to set up their own West Division and invite all the teams across. And all the branches now been put out there. And we're going to merge. We're all going to move over. However, when we move over, it's not going to be done where the, where the our Premier League right the way down is going to, going to make up. We're all going to go into conferences, so we're all going to go into tier six, and nobody knows what the makeup of that is. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm listening to debates and arguments, and as I said earlier on, one guy still wants to play certain games in hand. However, I'm just sitting back and, and letting it all un, unfold. I think it's going to be good for the game. I really do. You know, because there is we we have got big teams, we've got ambitious teams in our divisions. Darvel, you know, absolute brilliant with the guys at Darvel have done. They'll go. I know teams like Gart Cairn have got ambitious to get up there. I'm not sure they'll meet the, the ground criteria to go all the way. But for us at New Mains, it'd be very very difficult for us to ever get something like that. But you know, what? it gives that little bit of excitement and it gives that little bit of exposure from going into the senior game and uh, we as a club are certainly really excited about going 
tell us a bit more about how that new, well, certainly the first year post juniors, if you like, how are they talking about the structure of that division for the first year? Because you're going to have a lot of teams. I mean, from from what you, from what you understand, there are some uh, top amateur teams also looking at possibly being being involved. They, they don't quite know how many teams are going to, you know, you know, initially to, to actually make up that league and how will that all be structured? We'll know on the seventh of April. There's a meeting on the seventh of April. And well, I'm saying there's a meeting, that's when all the entries have to be in for the new league. Twisting the tail is junior football now. I've certainly been contacted by junior football saying to apply. Uh, and there's obviously fees to go into this new league and they would support it. So I don't know how good that olive branch was that they put out. You know, I think you should you should consider doing it and there might be some support in us paying your fees to go. So so it must have been some olive branch. <laughs> I mean, there's been talk about a kind of conference set up for that first Yeah, again, year. so how are they going to do that? I don't know. Are they going to regionalise it? Are they going to seed it? But then, I mean... How is that, how is that going to I'm work, just, though, in terms well, of... I'm just are they talking about... Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm hearing things, you know, I'm in this chat and teams are guessing and second-guessing, you know, they seed it and people are saying, well, there's constitution rules around, you can't seed it, it's a new league, how can you seed something that's new? But to be honest, and again, when we're doing this, I don't want to be talking about our team, you know, this is a neutral thing, this is down the divisions, all the divisions, but it's pretty relevant to what we're talking about. I don't want to be playing, you know, Rutherford, Glencairn and teams at the very, very top flight and our boys getting, you know, they motivated every week as if to say yeah. this thing. We want, to, we want to be fighting and playing and fighting against teams that we know that we can compete with. How is it going to work regards ground criteria, licensing? Have these have these things been discussed yet or is this again post-April the 7th you'll get a little bit more clarity and the, the devil will be in the detail but that detail won't be out until after next week? We've been given ground criteria and what our ground needs to, to have. However... However, we've also been told that every team is going to be accepted into the league. So the ground criteria for us means we don't have to have club licensing. If we, if we actually manage to get into the full loan league properly, we'd need that. Ground criteria is not impossible to you know to achieve. Uh, most most clubs at our level have got you know their own ground or grounds on a longer lease through the councils and stuff like that. Uh, so there shouldn't be too much impact on us at the moment. But uh, for the ambitious clubs, you know, once go into the the, the loan league proper, then you know you're going to have to look at floodlights and stuff like that as well, which which come at a price. Do you think it's going to reinvigorate the game at, at this level? I mean, obviously the the juniors has got such a, as I say, 134 year history. There's such a long tradition, such a such a, when you look back over the years, you know, so many top, top players before the advent of top clubs, academies, half the time the, the juniors were the academies before the academies ever ever came to fruition. Did, is, it, is it sad that that is, is kind of being lost, if you like? I think this is going to be, I think the, the, the new setup is going to be good because it's given teams also an opportunity to have a reserve league. 
play in the reserve league, which is an under-20s league, I think. But, you know, if some of your older players are injured, they can drop down and, and play in it. Uh, it's going to give boys who maybe are academies, and, and I'm no, don't get me on academies, I don't, you know, like a lot of people, I'm not entirely sure the academy systems work that well. Uh, it's going to give boys a level to drop out. Sometimes when boys drop out of uh, academy level, it's very difficult for them to go back to their boys' club. Is that kind of bit of a shame? This kind of feels if, you know, they don't want. It's a pride thing, I suppose. They don't want to go back. It's going to give them another level to go on and and have another go and, and kick on at a, at a tougher level, I suppose. It's going to be. It's going to be good for the game. It's going to be great for the game. Amateur football. Again, I could write a white paper on this. Uh, amateur football is losing so many teams a year. That needs to be addressed. You, you touched on a couple of the teams. Well, a couple of the top amateur teams in Scotland are as big as, you know, some of the the junior teams. So I think they'll be a good addition. Yes, people are saying, oh, we don't have amateur teams coming in and, and things like that. But for me, listen, get get quality. Let's get some quality in the leagues. That and then that should filter down. If we can maybe even reduce the amount of amateur leagues we've got and try and get everybody together. And the Scottish Amateur Football Association, I have to look at that as well uh, and try and keep that game alive as well. Because certainly, from our point of view, we get all our players from amateur football. A big thing seems to be made was the the Scottish Junior Cup, and you know still being able to play in that teams left the junior setup, and and teams will be able to still play in that, albeit that this time rather than in the past when when cup games took priority, now league fixtures will take priority. I think huge stumbling block Scottish Junior Cup. A cup of great tradition. It's a beautiful trophy. It means so much to so many people. I mean, speak to people of Auckland, like I think they've won it 13 times or something. You know, it's so the thing it's done for that that little village is, is unbelievable. However, you need to you need to evolve. And yeah. Part of the, this olive branch that was given out was the junior teams that moved into the senior ranks could still keep their registration with the junior FA and they can still play in the Junior Cup. Well, there's going to be no Junior Leagues, so why playing for the Junior Cup? I, I would do away with it, to be honest, or do away with some other Cups and, and, and play for that. It's a beautiful trophy. Play for that trophy under a different guise, I think. I, I, I don't know, but it's if you're moving over, it's a new era. The drivers for this new setup seem to be the Lowland League and... I guess, I mean, has, has there been any talk on who will sit on management committees? I mean, will some of the former, or what were former juniors, um, secretaries and administrators, will some of them come across into the, the new setup? I know the new West of Scotland Lowland League has to have its own committee. Uh, I see guys uh, on the chat, you know, I can see the ones that are edging their bets and looking for places on it already, uh, though they won't come out and see it. But my dealings with the Lowland League in terms of uh, speaking to them about applications and stuff. The gentleman's name is George Fraser. has been nothing but welcoming. has been nothing, you know, you, you send him an email, he gets straight back to you. I'd like to see, you know, from what I've seen of the, the Lowland League, I'd like to maybe see them take more control of it because from my little time uh, dealing with them, they've certainly been, uh, been good to deal with. Yeah, well, for those for those of you just wondering how things progress from here on in, 
as we've said, uh, next Tuesday is the, the deadline for um, applications. After that, they're talking mid-April, the conference will be set up um, and expected to be confirmed. Start of May, uh, completed league proposal will be sent to the SFA for review. Uh, round about the start of June, well, currently the SFA hope to have their AGM, although um, that might well remotely if things continue the way they have been, but um, assuming it goes ahead, that's where the West of Scotland Football League is then expected to get approval. And then I guess then the rest is then Paul in the hands of the, you know, the coronavirus, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to, we just need to see what's going to happen. You know, it's uh, just a waiting game, isn't it? But certainly I'm missing it. I'm desperate to get back. Uh, so many aspects of the game that, you know, help, help guys out and, is there escapism from the real world? Uh, and I think everything that everybody's been through the, the the last wee while, you know, hopefully people, when we do get back playing, people will say, do you know what? I'm just going to take a walk along and, and have a look at the, I was going to say local junior team, but local village team or town team and, and, and give us their support where, you know, it doesn't cost as much to go to the games and stuff like that. And uh, we certainly need to get back. Just in terms of one last thing on that before we move on, costs in terms of how much it would cost the team to to take part in the in the junior game right now against how much it would cost the team to be in the new setup is that has that been discussed or is that being is that a little bit of a you know nobody knows until it starts and, and could we see teams in theory who have agreed to go across suddenly find that what they could afford previously is not what they can afford now. Are you talking about running costs of the clubs? Yeah, running costs, uh, costs of being members. You know, I guess we touched on it, ground criteria, licensing criteria. There's going to come a cost with some of these things, isn't there? Well, this is the this is the huge. I'm just going to say grey area. It's not really a grey area. It's teams at the top of our leagues with a, an annual budget of a hundred thousand pounds. It won't really affect them. It will only it will only benefit them. We are ultimately going to be playing the same teams, probably a couple of new additions. I don't see the running costs being the, the entry fees a little bit higher, but it's all done on bonds and you get part of that back. I don't see it being much different at our level, uh, and at the top level, you'll, you'll see you'll see teams uh, compete. The big sting in the tail is businesses, and throughout the COVID, uh, are in trouble, aren't they? they you know. Guys who sponsor us, are they going to be able to sponsor us? We might all just need to cut our cloth. It actually might be a leveler. It might be a leveler for the game where all of a sudden even teams in their division paying £40-£50 a week might no longer be able to pay that £40-£50 a week. So again, it comes back to it might make it a leveler competition. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, for anybody who has listened to that and wants to know more, um, Paul, I think you spotted this earlier in the week. Uh, Troon have done a great, well, a great explanation of it. They've simplified it um, really, really well. So if you want to find out more, go to troonfootballclub.co.uk and you'll uh, you'll find that out there. Just to finish off, I mean, we we opened the show with uh, with the coronavirus. It has given people more time. It's certainly given people time to think about football. And how much they're missing it and it's, it's also led to obviously we've, we've seen so many different ways that people have been using their time and Sam Spears um, who's a, a Whitburn juniors fan 
he uh, he's clearly missing his footballers. Being a football fan, he's a talented songwriter, and he's used some of his time off to record a song called "The Claret and Amber," and it and it kind of goes into all what it means to be a fan of Whitburn Juniors. Well, we'll finish the show by by playing his uh, song. But uh, I'm pleased to say we've got Sam on the line right now. Thanks for coming on, Sam. Well, tell us about the song first of all. Well, thanks for having me, and I think this is a great idea. The great ground floor level of Scottish football <laughs> uh, being represented here. The, the song came about because I've been following Whitburn probably seriously for about the last three or four years. And when this lockdown happened, what do you do as a songwriter? You write songs and you write loads of songs, but I wanted to do something to try and cheer folk up. Um, so I thought I'm going to write a song about the juniors. So the, the claret and the amber is about that great hope and expectation that one day, someday, we're going to hit those former glories and the Scottish Cup's going to come back to us. That was that was basically the thread, but I wanted it to have a lot of energy and I wanted it to be fun, put a smile on folks' faces. So thus all the kind of come on the Bernie shouts and uh, <laughs> oh, and my fake commentary <laughs> for the, the last Scottish Cup final, the only Scottish Cup final that will win, I think, so... <laughs> How long would it have taken you to, to write? Uh, to write didn't take long at all. Probably probably a day and a couple of days recording and then a fair bit of footering around mm-hmm. to try and get everyone to sit well together. And I also got the the club to fact check me before, <laughs> before I put it out. And I got a green light from that. And there's a couple of folk that I got involved. There's uh, a mate of mine, Willie Evans, who does a radio show, and another mate of mine, Jerry Brown, who's a, a Downday, uh, which is what somebody from Whitburn is called, but he lives in Alberta in Canada, and he and I have co-written on a couple of things, and, and we often send stuff to each other to say, what do you think of this? And both Jerry and Willie said, that needs some power chords, man. You've got to get some beefy guitars in there. And I'm a piano player primarily, so... Uh, it was quite good fun doing guitar parts and bass parts and stuff and just piecing the whole thing together. So, thanks to them, you've got this raw energy of an old rocker. <laughs> How has it been received from the the Whitburn support when, I guess, right now they've got no football to watch? So, okay. something like this, as much as it was, a, I guess, a labour of love for you, has probably infused a bit of football back into people's lives a little bit. I think so. I, I mean, I've, I've had nothing but positive feedback. The, the YouTube videos getting shared like crazy among the many thousands of Whitburn fans worldwide. <laughs> it says more in hope than in expectation. But no, the, 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 the Whitburn uh, Supporters Club and uh, the Social Club, the Football Club itself, they've all been sharing it like crazy. Everybody really likes it. Folk are talking about playing it before the start of the home games and stuff. So I think it's it's done what it's set out to do. I mean, I really miss my Saturdays. You still got terracing at junior football. You stand in the same place, you stand beside the same people, and the patter is just really, really good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very social activity, and it's only six quid to get in. I can't afford to do senior football anymore, <laughs> but I can do the juniors. And it's great. I love it. absolutely love it, but I'm missing it. So if it makes folk, gives them something to smile about, that's what it's all about. I think we said earlier in the show, Sam, that uh, 
come the, the the end of this coronavirus, you just mentioned the cost to get into junior football there. Mm-hmm. I actually think that it's going to have that sense of community and we're going to come back and, and hopefully people will come. The price is, you know, it's reasonable on a Saturday and people will come a, come across and uh, watch the juniors. But I'm just going to reverse on something you just, I'll go back on something you said there. You, you mentioned the word down day. Is it a down day? A down day, aye. Explain what a down day is and where that, that comes from. Well, there's a there's a debate about that. One, my view of a down day is somebody that is a denizen of Whitburn, somebody from Whitburn, right? The purist's view is somebody that was born in Whitburn. There are all sorts of theories as to where the term comes from. I mean, Whitburn started as a weaving town, so folk thought it was the kids who gathered up all the lint from underneath the looms were called downies, and therefore other folk think it's because Whitburn didn't have a reservoir for years. And the local village rivalry, folk would say folk for Whitburn were a bit mad because of the water that they, they drank, Whitburn <laughs> water. And so anybody that drank Whitburn water was called a downy. There you um, go. There's all sorts of all sorts of things, uh, but I did an album in 2015 called Downy, and the the opening track's called Three Cemetery Town. It's just to give you a feel for the kind of stuff that's on it. There's a track in it called Faultus Miners Welfare, <laughs> which is about a night out. There's all sorts of stuff, and I, I just wanted to do something that was very Whitburn, and that, that did really well. It washed its face, and then I was. Uh, Currently, I'm, I'm sort of trying to find a, a publisher. I'm self-publishing at the moment, so I'm writing more mainstream songs again. But this song is in the downy vein, and uh, I'm probably this is the one I'm most pleased with in, in the recent <laughs> past. I'm really pleased with the way it's been received <laughs> uh, and cheery with it. So I'm technically no a downy. I was born in Edinburgh. Oh, you're an income. Hey, yeah, hey, an income. Now. now Keep that to yourself. You're no favourite one. As you touched on there, this song is not the first song you've written. Tell us a little bit about your, your musical background, Sam. Oh, I was classically trained as a boy. I started a band in school. Well, actually, I was invited into a band in school. And we started getting pretty good. And we eventually made an EP. Changed their name three times. Put an EP out. That did well. I'm still really proud of that. I've done a bit of songwriting. Well, I've done a lot of songwriting over the years. The one that made me the most money, strangely enough, is uh, the one that's most most heard was a song that I wrote called This Far when I was being deep and philosophical and trying to write something accessible that was a critique of the time chance theory of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was used by CBS in America. My publisher at the time was Rocket Music, Elton John's company, and they sold it to a TV show in America. So every time it got broadcast, six months later, I was getting a nice check. So those so checks still coming, Sam? No, no. I mean, I think the last one I got was for 70p because uh, some ah. cable station in the Middle East played it. Need to start digging deep again. <laughs> Absolutely. So, maybe this downy stuff out there. <laughs> so yeah, I did that. Did the song for Europe. I've done. I've done loads of stuff, but really, I had a mainstream career as a senior executive and didn't have a whole lot of time for music. My voice was damaged when I was young, and I was kind of frightened to to be a performer in case the instrument broke midway through performance. Since I've come back with that 2015 downy album. I did a concert earlier this year 
and I did the two hours straight, and the voice was fine. So I know that I've uh, I've still got a performance capability. You, you yeah. said also about the song for Europe. Tell us a little bit more, a little about that. Uh, the song, the song for Europe, was a song called "The War of the Roses." It was 1986. It was written by Gary Osborne, who co-wrote with Elton John when Bernie Taupin was off the scene. Uh, we did Amaru's with Kiki D's, really good writer, and, and another guy called Johnny Warner's a really good writer. And they wrote this song. And then we'd get demos done at REL Studios in Edinburgh, where I worked out of. And I did the lead vocal on the demo. The demo was entered for the song for Europe, and we got through. So uh, that was <laughs> that was quite an experience, getting my teeth bleached and... <laughs> And my, my hair at the time, I had hair, and the copper bronze highlights and all that stuff, and stylists dressing you up for photo shoots and all that stuff. It was good fun. And we got to the last date. We did the Wogan show and the, the live show, and it's all live, that stuff. You've got a backing track, but you're, the vocal performances are all live. Last date came eighth. Undeservedly, it was a great screaming rock and roll song. I don't know why we came eighth, but we did. Back to the, the football side of things, Sam. You mentioned there you go along and watch Whitburn. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's huge changes in junior football. Uh, mm-hmm. has been over the last couple of years, especially with yourselves through in the East. A lot of teams uh, kind of jumped ship and went to the East of Scotland League. Mm-hmm. As and from oh, the 7th of April, I think the majority of the teams in the West are now signing up for this new West of Scotland League. Do the supporters of Whitburn really know what's happening through there or where they're going to be playing next year? Is there any communication from the club? Well, we don't, we don't really know. I don't think Whitburn is ever going to jump ship. So as long as there's enough teams to have a junior league, that's where we'll be, I think. Um, I think a lot of the clubs that, that made the leap, well, I don't know how they can afford that really, because if, if you progress to, to further stages of the cup, for example, I think there are stipulations on what the ground's got to be like and floodlights yeah. and all that type of stuff. Well, for me, that's not really my kind of junior football. Yeah. <laughs> I can get a pie and a bovril, stand with a bunch of guys that I only ever see on a Saturday and have a bit of a blether. That's fine by me. That's quite interesting, Sam, because obviously through in the West region of the juniors, everybody is now, I think, as and from even today, signed up for this new West West of Scotland League. And it's always been at the back of my mind, what's going to happen with the East Junior League? Doesn't you think if one would go, they would all go and nobody's going to be left behind? But it would seem that... The East's doing their thing and the West's doing whatever they want to do. So I don't know what's going to happen, but a whole bunch of the teams for our league left. And I think we were pretty pretty low position in the league that we were in. And because of that, we ended up getting promoted. Yeah. Just because there weren't enough, enough teams. Yeah. It's been brilliant though, Paul, because it means that you're getting a whole bunch more local games. Yeah, and so you're, you're in a right hotbed there, isn't it? Fault, it's great. Don't change it. <laughs> How has your season been as a, as a fan, Sam? What is, I think you're sitting third in the uh, East Region Super League South. The season for me, I'm only going to talk about the, the last game against Livingston. It was brilliant. <laughs> Junior football, you can be up and down like a fiddler's elbow. Right? Because guys have to go away with their work and uh, you can never predict what's going to be beyond the field. So it's, it's quite an emotional journey. So to me, when we get a win, that's all it is about. And we, when we get a defeat, the shared grief is what it's all about as well. So, aye, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. But 
playing playing the top of the league, Livingston. And when they came out, I was just thinking, boy, they're a big team. Mm-hmm. Big laddies. <laughs> but we played really well. It was a, a really windy day. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but there was some really nice football getting played. I mean, Whitburn's football, I would say, over the last two years is it's silky. You know, there's good some stuff. really good stuff happening. What it's about for me is that shared experience and that community thing. And it's an interesting place to go. I mean, for example, one of the lads, my cousin, in fact, Robert Cook, um, Robert does an awful lot of work for the club. And his son, Ian Cook, is a member of the band Churches. All right, okay. So I'm pretty sure we got our away strip sponsorship last season was Churches. And I'm pretty sure that's because Robert insisted that his son... Had to do it. (laughs) I'll do it. So that was that was quite exciting. We've not had Lewis Capaldi at a game yet, and he's fee Whitburn. So Lewis, if you ever hear this, I think there's probably room for some team sponsorship here, son. So uh, it's, it's a great wee place to go. It's, there's a, a really warm welcome. The other thing about junior football, Paul, back me up on this. Some of the enthusiastic comments that are given to people who are officiating <laughs> is absolutely incredible. Honestly. You wouldn't get away with it anywhere else, but by here, those officials, you've got to take your hat off to them. They take some abuse. As a Whitburn fan then, Sam, what would be the highlight? Getting my two sons to come along. One of them's now moved to Glasgow, but another one's still in Whitburn. And that family thing. That's superb. Standing together on the on the terrace. And... I think we should wheel Sam out and, and get him to... Uh... Advertised junior football because you sell it there with such a passion, you know, the, the family spirit side of things. As you say, standing on the terrace and behind the dugout where I stand, people seem to congregate and some of the shouts. I mean, because it's mixed, of course, it's, it's for both sides of standing there and some of the comments uh-huh. and debates and that. It's, it's, it's first class entertainment. You would and, pay a lot more six, yeah, so, so. six quid. And then somebody else defending it for the other team, <laughs> and then like the conversation that. starts. You know, a hundred uh, yards apart, people calling at each other. It's really nice. funny. Just to finish off, Sam, you've obviously been spending your time writing this particular song. Are you using this time of inactivity to, to work on other songs at the moment? Um, Yeah, I just put a single on the 27th March called The Bookies in the Bar. Although it sounds like it's a downy record, it's not actually. It's <laughs> quite a reflective thing. You should have a listen to that on Spotify or any of your digital streaming places that's out there but uh, David Kossoff um, Paul Kossoff's dad Paul Kossoff was a guitarist in Free David Kossoff wrote a book and I think it was called A Small Village is a World and in Whitburn and in any village or town you've got all the characters you've got all the emotion it all exists in that wee space because see us human beings we're all pretty similar we all go through similar things so the bookies in the bar, go and have a listen. Sam, that's uh, that's terrific. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show and and for for sharing your I thoughts about. I hope, I hope it goes well. We hope you we hope your your song obviously goes well and um, that once we once we get through this coronavirus crisis that that Whitburn can uh, can have a good season whether we whether we start a new one or or restart the current one. It's it's, it's I mean having you on here just shows I think what. What we hope to to bring to the listener, it's, it's, as much as it's the product and the park, so much of so much of life down the divisions is about what goes on 
off the park as well. So we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of those stories with us. Cheers, guys. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play out Sam's song at the end. Obviously, if there's anybody else out there who either has or is planning to or would like to write a song about their team down the divisions, uh, we'd be glad to hear from you about it. So uh, feel free to get in touch to let us know and we'll we'll play your song uh, on the on the podcast as well. Uh, so just before we, we finish off, we started off with the Denver Divisions Decider, so we will finish off there, Paul. Just a reminder of the clues. Uh, what year did Pollock win the Scottish Junior Cup for the first time? Uh, the Human League were Christmas number one with Don't You Want Me? Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, was sentenced to life imprisonment, and the London Marathon was ran for the first time. Your answer, Paul, was? 1983. It was 1981. Oh. How old were you then, Paul? Uh, what year was it? 1980? 81. I was three. No, I was four. I'll, four. I'll let you off then. I'll let you off. But um, no, thanks very much uh, for everybody who's tuned in for this, uh, this first show. It's uh, obviously uh, the first one of hopefully plenty to come, and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll stick with us as we, uh, we keep showcasing as much as we can from down the divisions if you'd like to subscribe then we'd love that we'll leave you with sam spears singing the claret and amber and we'll catch you next time down the divisions call upon me the dirty lads come on upon me the dandy lads ask me where I'll be on Saturday. I'll be down at Central Park to watch the wet fun play. On the terrace, we've all got our favorite senior team.